Welcome to the Ink Productivity Tip of the Day. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Welcome to the Ink Productivity Tip of the Day. Today's tip, the eight rules for turning money into happiness, backed by considerable science. From Jeff Hayden. Nearly 100 years ago, John Maynard Keynes predicted that within just two generations, technological and economic advances would allow the average person to work only three hours per day. As I've written before, the noted economist whiffed on that prediction. Technology hasn't created more free time. Neither has increased wealth. Some studies show the more money people make, the less free time they feel they have. And then there's this. As the authors of a study published in Journal of Consumer Psychology write, most people don't know the basic scientific facts about happiness, about what brings it and what sustains it, and so they don't know how to use their money to acquire it. Money is an opportunity for happiness, but it is an opportunity that most people routinely squander because the things they think will make them happy often don't. Evidently, money doesn't really buy happiness, unless, as the researchers show, you spend the money you have the right way. Here are their eight rules for turning money into happiness. Rule number one, buy experiences instead of things. Buy a bigger house, and within a few months or less, it's just your house. The same generally holds true for new cars, new clothes, new anything. Adaptation occurs relatively quickly with material items. But not with experiences. Not only do experiences tend to provide delight well after the fact, experiences are also much more memorable. In one study cited, four out of five respondents reported mentally revisiting their experiential purchases much more frequently than material purchases. If you think that's because you see your experiences as an integral part of your identity, science agrees. The vast majority of people view their experiential purchases as more self-defining than their material purchases. Or in non-researchers speak, I can never be my car, but I can be a person who travels. That's true even if your income is substantial. A study published in Review of General Psychology found that the higher their annual income, the more likely people are to say experience purchases make them happier. Bottom line, buy the things you need and then buy the experiences you want, especially small experiences. More on that in a moment. Rule number two, help others instead of yourself. A large body of research shows the quality of your social relationships is a strong determinant of your happiness. Naturally, then, so does how you spend your money. While personal spending is unrelated to happiness, people who devote more money to pro-social spending, intended to benefit others, tend to be happier regardless of their income. But there is a catch. Most people make an effective forecasting error, in simple terms meaning how you think you will feel in the future believing that spending money on themselves will make them happier than spending on others. 
Even though, as the researchers write, pro-social spending produces strong and consistent benefits for well-being. The solution? Once in a while, spend a little money in a way that helps others. Charitable giving is nice, but keep in mind pro-social spending can be a romantic gift, or buying something for a friend just because, or taking your folks out for dinner. After all, research shows the giver often receives as much benefit, especially in terms of feelings of happiness and self-regard, as the receiver. Win-win. Rule number three, buy many small pleasures instead of a few big ones. Research shows happiness is more strongly associated with the frequency than the intensity of positive affective experiences. As the researchers write, since we inevitably adapt to the greatest delights that money can buy, then it may be better to indulge in a variety of frequent small pleasures, double lattes, uptown pedicures, and high thread count socks, rather than pouring money into large purchases like sports cars and dream vacations. As long as money is limited by its failure to grow on trees, we may be better off devoting our finite financial resources to purchasing frequent doses of lovely things rather than infrequent doses of lovelier things. Another advantage of small pleasures is the economic principle of diminishing marginal utility. Each unit increase in the magnitude of a pleasure increases the impact of that pleasure by a smaller amount than the previous unit increase. One bite of a cookie is awesome. The second bite is great. The third bite is good. The tenth bite is, unfortunately, basically just more of the same. Oddly enough, a peak experience can also actually hinder your ability to enjoy small experiences. A Saturday afternoon walk in the woods doesn't seem nearly as cool if you recently hiked to Everest Base Camp. That doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy an occasional peak experience. Just make sure you layer in a bunch of small experiences. Life is meant to be lived every day, not just once or twice a year. Rule number four, buy less insurance. While this one might sound unusual, there's a scientific underpinning. Most of us tend to overestimate our vulnerability to negative effect. That's especially true where extended warranties are concerned. Protecting that expensive new TV I just bought might sound sensible, but extended warranties sold by retailers and manufacturers are widely acknowledged to be bad bets for the buyer. Otherwise, why would sellers push them so hard? As the researchers write, people seek extended warranties and generous return policies in order to preclude the possibility of future regret. But research suggests that the warranties may be unnecessary for happiness. Rule number five, pay now and consume later. Chalk this one up to future anhedonia, the belief that an emotional response will be less intense in the future than in the present. That makes borrowing money to purchase a material item, or even an experience, often seem like the right move. But where happiness is concerned, it's not. For one thing, delaying consumption provides the benefit of anticipation. For example, research shows planning a vacation is nearly as much fun as taking the vacation. Plus, making a purchase for immediate consumption tends to involve less consideration regarding long-term rewards, much less costs. Sure, I can get that Porsche now, but then I have to spend the next six years paying it off. Borrowing money is easy, but borrowing money is an investment that should always provide a return, and not just a financial return. The key return is the benefit you receive, especially over the long term. Rule number six, think about what you're not thinking about. 
here's where that new motorcycle comes in. I've thought about buying a Kawasaki ZX-10R. I'm a good rider, and I love fast bikes. But the riding position is severe, and I'm no spring chicken. I no longer live in an area with twisty roads, nor is there a racetrack nearby. How often would I get to ride the bike the way I like to ride? Almost never. Most of the time, it would just take up space I don't want to give up in a garage we turned into a great workout area that we use every day. Research shows what seem like irrelevant details when you consider a purchase eventually make a huge difference in your happiness with that purchase. As the researchers write, Consumers who expect a single purchase to have a lasting impact on their happiness might make more realistic predictions if they simply thought about a typical day in their life. About to make a purchase? Don't just think about the upsides. Consider potential downsides. Because there will usually be at least a few. Rule 7. Beware of comparison shopping. This one also sounds odd. When you spend hard-earned money, don't you want to make the best decision possible? The problem is, comparison shopping can distract you from the attributes of a product that are important for your happiness and cause you to focus on attributes that distinguish available options. The dishwasher with three cycles is all you really need, but it's easy to be distracted by models with wash zones and bottle jets. The key is to decide what you need, and then comparison shop on the basis of those needs. Don't let irrelevant concerns creep in. Otherwise, you'll end up paying for things that only seem important in the moment. Rule number eight, follow the herd instead of your head. I know, we're all individuals. Except, in large part, we're not. Research suggests the best way to predict how much you will enjoy an experience is to see how much other people enjoyed it. That doesn't mean you should simply do what other people do. But you should consider doing what other people tend to enjoy who are, at least in certain ways, like you. My cycling pals are a great source for route recommendations. My buddy Ryan Holiday is a great source for book recommendations. Some of the contractors I know are a great source for tool recommendations. As the researchers write, other people can supply us with a valuable source of data not only by telling us what has made them happy, but also by providing information about what they think will make us happy. Especially where turning money into happiness is concerned. That's it from Inc. Check back weekday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern for more tips. Spoken Layer A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing. <laughs> Works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.